Like right now. Oh, okay. I stand up and like do a meal and twists. Put it out. Stay awake. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard mixed things. I've heard like love it. Yeah, love it, but I'd say it's okay. All right, guys. So I don't know if you, everyone, has had the chance or privilege to meet Dr. Whitaker, but he's a former alumni of IJOC Chief as well, and um, he is currently a hospitalist. Previously at Sound or at St. John and now at Hillcrest. Also working at the um, crossover clinic too, right? Yeah. 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 I was actually in Dr. Morgan's class. Oh. I, yeah. The best class ever. <laughs> <laughs> no Dunnick says that to like every class, but it was true for us. So. <laughs> I think every subsequent year is the best. <laughs> yeah. We're just waiting for the PowerPoint to load. So we'll be talking about CVA management. Um, but I guess I'll just use this time to give an update on the ITE raffle. So thank you guys all for submitting. Um, it looks like people are studying hard. Um, highest number of questions completed was due to, was given to Krista Silva again. Wow. <laughs> highest number of AFP articles was also Krista Silva. Whoa. Oh. Highest number of questions done, highest number of, um, of AFP articles. Nice. And then the winner of the raffle, also, Krista Silva. Yes! Guys, if you study more questions, maybe someone can beat Krista Silva. Well, probably not. How many? I'm just curious. Um, you get a number of points based on how many questions. So, like 200 or more is four points, 150 or more is three points. It's all on the raffle thing. Four AFP articles. How many Krista Silva do? How many points did he get? Um, he got eight points. Dude! Well done, good <laughs> sir. Yeah, the highest points, 400 questions. Yeah, the highest, almost the highest points. Yeah, I think you can get nine total. The exercise, yeah. Whoa. Yes. What? Not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> only, only got eight because you didn't say the exercise. Oh, yeah. I was, I was too busy to answer your question. I didn't stand up all week. We'll get started. Um, let me pray. God, thanks for brains to think, and thanks for medicine to help people with self-esteem. Your glory. So, yeah, I, I, not my slides up in a minute, but um, I graduated from IHI in 2015, and then I've been practicing as a hospitalist. Graduation. I'm part-time hospitalist right now. 
part-time at the Crossover Health Services Clinic. In so Victoria roped me into talking about acute CVA. For the sake of time, like we'll do some overview, but for the sake of time, we'll mostly focus on ischemic CBA today. I think we do another lecture all together on hemorrhagic CBA. So it's, it's kind of its own beast. So, um, yeah, let's see. Um, just while we're waiting on slides to get up, just encourage you to interact. It's boring to have me up here monologuing. So I'll be not pimping you, but just, asking questions and I want you to jump in and, and throw your ideas out. I was going to bring chocolate to throw out, but I ran out of time. So <laughs> just imagine I've got a bag full of chocolate and I'm throwing them at you guys. Um, so let's talk stats because some of my practice board questions, they want to know if we know stats on strokes and what the most common types of strokes are. So between ischemic and a hemorrhagic, what's more common? Ischemic and underneath ischemic stroke, what's the most common type of ischemic stroke? This is our cardioembolic, thrombotic, or lacunar. Thrombotic. Thrombotic. Yeah. Uh, and then second is cardioembolic, and then third is lacunar. So, roughly eighty-five percent of all strokes are ischemic in nature. Fifteen percent hemorrhagic. Right. So just remember that 85, 15, and then underneath the 85% that are ischemic, about 35% of those are thrombotic, and then 30% cardioembolic and 20% lacunar. So the board question I got was like, hey, this patient comes in with an ischemic stroke, what's the most likely cause? And then you gotta know, oh, it's based on numbers, thrombotic, and then you pick the choice with the thrombotic lesion. And then, Underneath hemorrhagic and that 15%, which is more common, subarachnoid hemorrhage or intracerebral hemorrhage? Yeah, so it's 10% intracerebral and I need to talk to oh. Dunnick. She has some new gear in Try to download it already? Yeah, it's still. Oh, if um, if you double click, oh, it's downloading. It finished on the left, bottom left. It's finished downloading. Yeah. Yeah. Here it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Was it the? 
Where's Angel? Where did it download? I'm just curious. Jeez. What Wi Fi are you on? It's because it's on guest. I want his image. <laughs> guest is the worst. <laughs> Look, guess this. We'll try it in his image then. Give me a converter to just plug directly into his. Does anyone have a Thunder port to HDMI? Do. Yeah. Oh. Awesome. Oh. Ramps on it. There's too much stuff open. Ram is on my computer. We're talking about ram. No go. Apparently not. Might be at the children's hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where we have time for that. <laughs> Let me see if I can freestyle a little more. Try this. So these are the keynote. Is that right? Do presenter view or? Yeah, I'm with Windows, you click a command P. Function. <laughs> it's to display. Use the function key, but um, no, we're not. Oh, okay. You know, you don't want me, right? 
No, it should show it. There we go. Got 30 minutes, y'all. So this is get my daughter at 2:30. Oh. Oh, my God, like that connection. We could all just sit real close. <laughs> so that's for Apple TV. Can we position for Apple TV? <laughs> Here we had Apple TV. Like, really? Wow. Brilliant. I don't, do it. I don't know. Okay. So one, I mean, is it there? So one, one in one in Microsoft. Does anybody have? Do you have a USB? Like, transfer. You have a thumb drive though that will go into the port. That I have. USB C. Okay. okay, so the next slide is about differential diagnosis for acute stroke. That a lot some some things under differential when you're considering acute CPA. Seizure specifically what? What about a seizure? Postical state can be confused by seizure. What else? Good. How do you distinguish the two? How do you distinguish between a stroke and Bell's palsy? So which one is which? Palsy, they can't move the forehead. They cannot raise their eyebrows or palsy because it's a facial nerve, right? So it's distal to the yeah. I actually had a transfer from an outlying facility once stroke UVA. Get I get the patient at, at the hospital. Raise your eyebrows. So you got transferred for no reason. Send him home the same night. So that's good. Good to know. Um, especially when you're on the phone with with an ER doctor. Here's the eyebrow. Uh, what else? Seizure we got. Bell's palsy. Hypoglycemia is a big one. Somebody said complex migraine. Yeah. Migraine is a subtype of complex migraine. We also had some. Toxin, congestion, Inversion disorder. Inversion disorder. Mm -hmm. What else? Okay. Trauma. What other what other type of trauma can mimic a stroke? Head trauma, right? Dustive syndrome. Okay, what else? Some like real zebras out there. 
Okay, malignancy. Press. Press. Um, press, also known as reversible posterior leukoencephalopathy syndrome. Like, why do they have to name it? Worst acronym. Okay. You're doing great. Okay, a couple more. Yes, perfect. Yes. Well, someone who's a chronic alcoholic. He's a cephalopathy. No. Meningitis. Yeah, good. Infection. What other kind of infection besides meningitis? Syphilis. Yeah. I was thinking intracerebral abscess is another one. And then there's another syndrome. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. Reversible cerebral vascular syndrome. Reversible cerebral vasoconstriction syndrome. It's a, it's a rare one, but it's, it's okay. So just scroll on this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I think we hit all of these. Did you see any that we missed? Septic emboli. Emboli. Oh, venous thrombosis. Yeah, yeah, cerebral venous thrombosis is a, mm -hmm. is a tricky one. Good, okay. All right, so you guys are moonlighting in a rural ER. Two a.m. and the patient rolls in. And the nurse says, "Hey, I think this guy might be having a stroke." So, what's your primary assessment? And think super simple. We're not ABCs. Yeah, ABCs number one, right? What's next? Vitals. Good. Specifically, and good. Okay. That's a couple more things. Just. Like right off the bat, you're getting glucose. Yeah. Glucose. Good. When did it start? Because that's the history. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. One more thing. Yes. Yeah. So ABC is sort of in a way. Yeah. Um, one other thing that's going to happen real quick. It's an imaging test. CT head, right? On contrast, CT head, like boom, they're in the door, they're going to the CT. Why do we do that? Like right off the bat. We gotta rule it out or rule it in. Okay, and then you're doing a focus exam. Um, it's a pretty, you know extensive neuro exam. And that's, this is where um, we pull in like the NIH stroke scale. How many of you guys have done, actually done an NIH stroke scale? Okay, good. It's more than I thought. Um, so I intentionally left the NIH stroke scale unreadable, right? Cause you can see how long and extensive it is. But if this was interactive, there's an up-to-date calendar. Have you guys seen this before? 
easy to use quick. So let's quickly just review the, the titles, right? So you're, you're assessing level of consciousness, GCS. Uh, asking them if they know the month and their own page. You're asking them to follow commands, open and close eyes, grips and releases hands. Testing their best gaze with horizontal movement. Doing visual field testing. You're assessing for facial paresis. Assessing motor function of the right arm, left arm, right leg, and left leg. You're assessing for metaxia, three deficits, language dysarthria, and extension neglect. So. So it opened, it was in the same window, so you have to go back, go back to update. So 42 points total, but just kind of know the, the ranges from mild, moderate, sphere. okay? So less than five, five to nine, or greater than nine. And, you know, this is kind of where we teach our patients about the fast mnemonic, right? The face, arm, speech, and timing. That's super easy to remember, and it really incorporates a lot of the, what's in the NIHSS, okay? So we can do that pretty quickly. All right. So we're gonna, this is like surface level TPA talk right here. Okay. So you're not getting in the weeds, but I want to introduce you guys to it. Um, who can tell me any inclusion criteria for TPA measure? There's three three big ones. So timing, do you know the? I think it's less than four to six, but ideally less than four. 4.5. Yeah, four and a half. Yeah. And there's a cutoff at three hours. So there's some caveats to that three hour to four and a half hour window. So timing, good. What's name two others? History of hemorrhage or hemorrhagic stroke. So you're talking exclusion, exclusion. I'm talking inclusion. What even history? Hemorrhage. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's super obvious, but they have to have they have to have a clinical diagnosis of an ischemic stroke with significant deficit, right? ongoing deficit. Okay. And then anyone else want to venture on the other one? The timing. Sorry. It's an age cutoff. What do you think it is? 18. Older than 18. Okay, so these those are the three inclusion criteria. Remember those, okay? The timing, they've got a stroke, they're older than 18. Now we go to the next step, and this is the bear exclusion criteria. And I'll tell you that, I mean, you guys shouldn't ever do this, but there is the TPA order set and Cerner, and all of these are in, within the order set. Like review those essentially to order the TPA. Um, all right, let's let's run through these real quick. I'm running out of time. So, if they've had a stroke within the last three months, if they've had a previous intracranial hemorrhage, they've got an intracranial neoplasm, they've got a GI malignancy, GI hemorrhage within the past three weeks, uh, or intracranial intraspinal surgery within the past three months. If the symptoms suggest a subarachnoid hemorrhage, so what symptom would 
highly su suggest that. Huge headache. Sudden onset headache. Ice pick headache. Uh, the blood pressure is persistently over 185 or 110. With that, like with interventions, we can't get it down. Uh, if there's active internal bleeding, uh, if there's concerns for infective endocarditis, if there's concern about dissection, if there's any bleeding diathesis or coagulopathy, um, obviously we're not going to do it. It was less than 100,000 current anticoagulation use with these INR cutoffs. Therapeutic doses of Lovenox within the past 24 hours. And then current use of like a DOAC. Um, and then obviously if they've got an active hemorrhage or uh, there's some brain volume cutoffs and that gets into the weakness, like a massive stroke, like greater than a third of the hemisphere, like the likelihood of hemorrhagic transformation is too high to justify TPA. So, and then um, there are additional warnings for that three to four and a half hour time frame. So if they're over 18 years, uh, if they're, regardless of INR, if they're in that time frame, pause. Uh, if it's severe stroke with a, a score greater than 25, a combination of previous stroke and diabetes. So, any questions on that? I ran through that, but like I said, this is surface level. I just want you to know like what they are the inclusion criteria are and then where to find them. Yeah. You as your like as a hospitalist, have you been in a situation where you've had to like give TPA without support from urology? I haven't. I haven't. I you know, and even in a rural ER, you're gonna call a stroke center and you're they're gonna get the neurologist on the phone, you're gonna say, hey, this is the deal, and they're gonna run through these with you. You know, unless it's like they can't wake the neurologist up, but there's someone on call. There's someone at the hospital. So, um, you should always have backup when deciding this because it's a big deal, right? It's, I mean, you're going over a cliff. Okay, secondary assessment. Now we can get a little broader. You guys can tell me what secondary assessment. We've, we've Hang on, let me back up. We've we've ruled out tragic and we're outside of the window for TPA. So yeah, CTA head neck. Good. Stat. We'll get into that. So that's another stat one. We'll get into that quick. Okay, what else? Little bubble study, yeah, that's probably going to happen the next day. It's not happening in the ER. Like even labs, like a CBC. Yeah, tell me about labs. We need to know their platelets. Uh, we need to know their hemoglobin, and then um, so CBC and like if you want to know Chem fourteen or Chem eight at least to know their like electrolytes, especially their creatinine. Yeah. We're going to CBC Chem fourteen. What else? Usually in these guys, you'd get like an A1C and a lipid. Uh, yeah, That's yeah, not yeah. necessarily. I don't know. No, no, no. I mean, you're drawing blood, animal. That's what you learned as a hospitalist. Lab comes by maybe 
It's every 24 hours. So <laughs> you guys know that, right? Collab, what, like why hasn't this been drawn? So order all your stuff at once. So A1C lipids, what else? Stone labs. We get coax, anyone say coax? Coax, we need coax. What about, think, think about our differential. What else should we do? Yeah, if you're concerned about that, you're just gonna have like a high suspicion for autoimmune, like MS or lupus or something. You could consider an ANA. Yeah. yeah. Not routine. What if they're hypoxic? Yes. Yeah. What if they're reproductive age? Yeah. And what if what if they got a significant cardiac history? Good. Okay. All right, moving on. What other tests? We're out of labs. What are the tests we're going to get? Yeah. G. With or without? Stroke protocol. Stroke protocol without. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> Unless you're concerned about malignancy. Or... Okay. Um, what else? Okay, let's say this scenario. Patient does have a headache. You get the CT. There's no evidence of hemorrhage, but you're still kind of like, e, I don't know if it's subarachnoid or not. What are you, you going to consider? LP. LP. Yeah. Good. Um, question yeah uh, cta versus an mra can you not so getting a cta plus an mri to, uh can, can you double dip and do an mra and get both information yeah so the cta is quicker right so the timing thing the timing thing cta is quicker so you prefer that but when would you get an mra What contraindications would they have to us? Renal failure. Renal failure. Yeah, renal failure, you go with the MRA. You get a lot of the same information, but it takes longer. MRI takes longer than CTA. And I think we said all that. And then the bedside swallow, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about bedside swallow about big because. Some of you have been trained on that or not really. Don't do that. Man. Okay, so in Cerner, the inpatient workflow scales and assessments, drop down, dysphagia, screen. Have I seen this before? Remember where that is. You open that up, it's going to walk you through how to do a bedside swallow. And here's the caveat, and I need it. I wish there was faculty in here. You guys have to have have to be signed off by speech therapy to do it legally. Okay, you can do it. They just have to sign you off and make sure you can administer the test. It's super easy. So what I would recommend is at some point in the hospital, just get everyone in a room with a speech therapist, and you guys all get signed off so you can do this. This is like one of the biggest blessings I can give to stroke patients in the hospital. 
like you can eat. Like I can do this right here now. I don't have to wait on speech to come in tomorrow morning. Like we can clear you. So, all right. So first step is a posterior stroke suspected. Vertebral basilar stroke suspected. Yes or no? If it's no, you proceed with the screening. If it's yes, you stop and you wait on speech. Is the patient alert and awake and able to cooperate? Yes, proceed with screening. Not wait on speech. Are they able to sit up and handle oral secretions? Yes, go ahead and move on. Their facial asymmetry or weakness. If yes, then you stop. You consult speech. No, you move on. Lung asymmetry or weakness, palatal asymmetry or weakness. If the answer's no, then you get to keep moving on. So you're doing a quick cranial nerve exam and you're checking all those things out, right? All right, then you go in the little nutrition room and they've got these clear cups in there with the the volume measurements marked out. You fill it up with ounces of water. You take it in the room. They're sitting upright. They're ready. And you just say, hey, I want you to take a small sip of this. Hold it in your mouth for a second. Swallow it down. And then you go from there. And I usually, I'll have them take one sip. And then I'll have them re repeat ABC123. And you're checking for voice quality changes. Or obviously, if they start coughing their head off, they failed. So voice quality changes or coughing then they're done. You, you, you proceed if they don't do that with the first sip, and then you see if they can drink the whole three ounces without issue. Watch them you know, for another minute, make sure there's no coughing or signs of aspiration, and then you can clear them. You're still consulting speech. Speech will still see them. They'll still do their formal evaluation, but this gets them a diet for the night, okay? Questions about that? All right, so outside of that four and a half hour window now, and let's say even our patient got TPA. Now we're in this time window of four and a half hours to 24 hours. And the next question is, are they a candidate for thrombectic? Okay, so that's your, your time frame for considering thrombectic for a large artery occlusion, LAO. You'll see that abbreviation, LAO. So this is a, this is on up to date helpful algorithm. We know the time frame and in that window, regardless of if they got TPA or not. Okay, then you move on to the next step. If they're outside the window, then you just proceed with standard care. So then this is where our CTA and our MRA really come into effect. Okay, so that's why we want it stat. It's a stat order when when I get a patient to the floor. I get that CTA quickly. We get our CTA results back, and then we're looking for the best candidates are anterior circulation, large artery occlusions. Okay. So, you know, obviously internal carotids, but NCA, NCA type stuff. Okay. And that's and then, so you get the CTA, you get the result back, and you, you see something. <laughs> That's where you're getting neurosurgery on the phone, okay? The radiologist comments like significant LAO in the right ACA. And then you call neurosurgery to see, is this patient a candidate for thrombectomy, okay? Because it really gets detailed and into the weeds uh, who can get it and who can't. That's another one where the, the infarct volume really comes into play and they can see, okay? 
So, yeah. Is it called neurosurge or IR? Because I've seen IR do them. Do you need neurosurge to like give their blessing before IR? Yeah, I mean, at St. John, I start with neurosurge. I mean, if you, you got to know your facility. And then usually, I mean, usually if they're going to go this route, they're going to the unit. So um, I just want you guys to remember general criteria, resistant, potentially disabling neurological defect, the timing, and then the territory that we're looking at, okay? If we don't see anything on the CTA, then it doesn't matter. Any questions? Really, the like the sweet spot is that sixteen hours. Once you get beyond there, it gets kind of hairy. All right, I got five minutes. This is a wordy joke, but he like localizes the lesion, and then the other person says, "Well, what can you do about it now?" And he says, "Nothing. It's still fascinating." <laughs> That's like how you feel sometimes with strokes. Like, well, it's done. What like what do we do about it now? But I don't care because we can really stay brain function if we follow guidelines. All right, so we're gonna go through this pretty quickly. We'll just hit all these different areas of, of management. And this is after that 24 hour window. So we're, we're in just standard care, uh, acute ischemic CVA management, okay? So fluids, what kind of fluids are we gonna use? Don't call it normal saline if Bradley is around, right? Call it isotonic. So just use LR. LR is okay. We use isotonic saline. Um, don't use half normal saline. Don't use anything with glucose, right? Okay. Um, glucose management. What's our goal range? 40 to 180. So that means we're correcting hypoglycemia and hyperglycemia. Okay, activity. What are you going to order on your admission orders? Okay, but what specifically? Like, probably a loaded question. But. Okay, so they're, they're fall risk, right? If they've got an excuse trip, they need aspiration precautions. And standard of care is the head of bed at 30 degrees. There's a lot of controversy around that. Should we leave the bed flat so their brain gets more perfusion? Put up 45, like 30 is like the agreed sweet. Put um, a bed at 30. All right. Fever management, should you treat it or not? What else should you do if they have a fever? Rule out infection. Make sure you're not missing something. QT prophylaxis. What's Okay. Yeah. CDs are okay. <laughs> okay. I feel like on trauma surge, they, um, yeah, it even with hemorrhagic strokes, if it's been stable for 48 hours, they'll still do. Um, In my opinion, SCDs do nothing but keep the patient awake. <laughs> That's my humble opinion. Um, but, so, sta standard of care is you can start Lovenox or heparin. They, obviously, if they got TPA, you're waiting 24 hours after TPA. But you can, if they didn't get TPA, you can start Lovenox within the first 24 hours. Okay, unless you have a high degree of suspicion for hemorrhagic conversion. 
So like a massive stroke, obviously you may just break something on the SEDs and keep them away. So you can choose SEDs or not, but the standard of care is to start something within 48 hours if there's no contraindication. GI prophylaxis, yes or no? Yes. yes. And take your pick. There's, there's, you know, trade-offs to H2 blockers and PBIs. I, I tend to go with famotidine. It's a style thing. Okay, lipids. What's the standard of care? High intensity statin. High intensity statin prior to discharge. And then we already hit on the therapies. So what therapies are going to be involved? So, and occasionally I'll get the dietitian involved, especially, especially if they're MPO, they failed, they're modified. We're having this conversation of what are we going to do nutritionally for this patient? You know, are we going to have to start tube feeds? Are we going to be talking about a peg tube? Like, where are we going with this? Um, and then spiritual emotional support is is huge, and and you guys are the vehicles for that, right? I mean, this is a huge deal for patients. Personally, I, there's a lot of other things I would rather have than a stroke. How debilitating they can be. Um, so, you guys, you guys are that person. Man, I'm going to be late to pick up my daughter. Okay, um, we got to hit this though. Antiplatelets. So aspirin within the first 48 hours, wait 24 hours after TPA. Repeat, most, neuro, most neurologists will repeat it non-contrast CT within 24 to 48 hours to make sure there's no hemorrhagic conversion. And then kind of the standard of care now is, is dual antiplatelet therapy for the first 21 to 30, 30 days. And this came out of the, the chance and point trial trials which showed compared to aspirin alone, short-term gap within 24 hours of high risk TIA or mild to moderate CVA reduces the risk of recurrent stroke at the expense of higher risk of major bleeding. So then I got to do some informed consent. Um, you can see the numbers here, like the risk of major bleed, risk of 2.2, overall worth it if you can prevent recurrent stroke. All right, and then blood pressure management. Right, there's impaired autoregulation of the cerebral vessels. And basically the penumbra, right, is dependent on these elevated pressures to maintain perfusion. So if they got TPA, you got to get them down below 185 over 110 to even give it. And then after you get it, you got to keep them below 180 over 105. If they didn't get TPA, that first 24 hours, you're going to allow permissive hypertension, right? So you're not treating unless they go above 220 over, over 120. And even then, you're only kind of aiming for a 15% reduction in their blood pressure. After the first 24 hours, the most common target range I see is 130 to 135. But even that, you want to kind of bring down gradually. Um, and you on the, on the neurostroke floors, you'll see the nurses do the boluses like they should to keep that pressure up. And that's in the order set. Um, the IV, the uh, agents preferred are IV labetalol, cardine or nicardipine and hydralazine. I don't love hydralazine because it can really drop you quick and let kind of less control. So 
there's protocols out there for cardiac drips. This is helpful on up-to-date about management before and after a TPA. And then just random food for thought, some pearls that I picked up. For these cryptogenic strokes or a stroke with no clear cause that we'll consider a 30-day event monitor or MCOT to, to, to evaluate for AFib. Right. Obviously, if you pick up AFib in the hospital, you're going to be starting them on anticoagulants, right? And then SSRIs, SR, SSRIs for associated depression with stroke. There's mixed opinions on that, but I see really severe depression with a lot of these bigger strokes. And so I've started some folks on SSRIs while they're in the hospital. So you potentially could do dual antiplatelet plus if they have AFib. <laughs> yeah. That's one. Wait, go ahead. So like dual antiplatelet and an so, yes, you're saying no, you wouldn't want to do triple therapy. Yeah, you'd probably do Plavix and the anticoagulant. I wouldn't do triple therapy without a neurologist saying triple therapy. Yeah. And then if they were already on Plavix and they had a stroke, they'll do DAPT for that 30 days and then they'll continue Plavix. Um, so they won't switch to aspirin. That, that didn't make sense. If they're on aspirin and they had a stroke, if they're on aspirin already and they had a stroke, they do DAPT and then they continue Plavix. I said that. Okay, guys, I got to run.